0: Every single week, we usually do the Lord's Supper. It's in the back. And for those of us who've been in church quite a long time, uh, Lord's Supper, you understand the, the bread is meant to represent Christ's body, which is broken for you. And the, and the promise, which is the cup, uh, is given to you. And this is the new promise that Jesus said it was in his blood. But I, I want to bring us into context for a second. When Jesus introduced that to his disciples, um, they were sitting around a table, and it was a day called Passover. And on Passover, um, the Jews were told to celebrate something very specific that happened um, long ago. And so for generations upon generations, every single year, this day called the Passover happened. God described this through Moses in Exodus 12. And this this is what Exodus 12 says. It says, I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and strike every firstborn male in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. That means man and animal. I am Yahweh. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt. The blood on the houses where you are staying will be a distinguishing mark for you. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No plague will be among you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. This day is to be a memorial for you, and you must celebrate it as a festival to the Lord. You are to celebrate it throughout your generations as a permanent statute. So the Jews know of this in Exodus, then, and they have obeyed this statute, their parents, their grandparents, and everyone has observed this festival. And then comes along a guy named Jesus, and on the night of Passover, he looks at his closest friends and he goes, Hey, I know this is the night where we, rec- we recognize a promise of God. I'm about to give you a new promise. Sit back for a second and just think about what what that even means. That's like me coming at Christmas time and saying, hey, guys, uh, Christmas, I know we we think of it as this, but I'm going to tell you Christmas means this. That's a big deal. And so what Jesus was actually saying that day is God made a promise that he was going to take the people of Israel out of this land of slavery, and he wanted them to remember this promise. It was the blood of the doorframe, and when God saw that sacrificial lamb that had given its life for this family, it was going to pass over and not bring death to that family. What Jesus said that day was, I'm going to bring you a brand new promise. That promise was a promise from God, but I want to tell you what that promise points to. Points to. That promise actually points to me, is what Jesus was saying. That promise is me. I'm going to accomplish and fulfill that old promise of God. When I accomplish and fulfill it, I finish it, it is done, and I'm going to give you a brand new promise. This promise I'm going to extend as my body and my blood over you. So when you receive me, here's what you're receiving. It's over the doorpost of your life. Wrath is not for you anymore. A promise, a guarantee of saving is yours. This is a new promise that you can't screw up, is what Jesus was saying. This is really good news. And and here's, I I say all this to say is, I'm listening to the radio. I I didn't know if I was gonna tell you this, but I got to. I'm driving down the street this week and I'm listening to Halloran Hill, news talk, Because I want to be informed, you know. I like to be informed. I like to listen to what everybody's saying. And this guy gets on the radio and he starts talking about politics going on and on and on. And then he starts to quote the Old Testament. And he starts to bring some concepts and ideas that sound very right. And it's just a giant miss. It's just a royal travesty that you just aired this all over town and everybody thinks, well, the nation's gonna be blessed if if we do certain things. And I'm just telling you, that's not in the new promise of Jesus. That's just not about a nation. I don't see the New Testament church looking at the nation of Rome and saying, hey, Rome, we better repent or God's gonna, gonna blast us. Like That's not the message they were saying. They were saying, hey, there's a new promise in a person named Jesus. And it's good news for anyone who would receive it. And if you don't receive it, God's coming again and it's going to be bad news. So receive good news. It's for you. It's available. It's available. It's a new promise. The part where we get so twisted is when we start taking pieces of an old promise and pieces of a new promise and making a certain kind of promise that isn't even a promise. It's Not even in there. So Jesus is saying, this Old Testament promise points to me. We must understand this church in the days ahead to actually be steady to understand these days. If you don't understand the scriptures, I want to. I, I welcome you, come talk to me about that. If you've got questions, talk to me about that. But what sounds so right, maybe through media or through what other people are saying, we gotta understand the context of what the scriptures are actually pointing to. The New Testament is a new promise that points to Jesus and he is the centerfold focus of, That's who we come to. He is the one, the Messiah. And so there is no other saving. There is is no other prosperity that can be found worth living for other than the prosperity found in Jesus. So if you were looking for prosperity outside of the person of Jesus, you actually will not find prosperity even if you find earthly prosperity. It's not about that. It's not about that. And I I had a friend asked me the question this week and I I thought it was very, very good. He said, um, I have a question. He said, um, what would you rather have? Would you rather have uh, a wealthy, uh, thriving America where your 401k is blasting through the roof or would you rather have an America that may begin to decline but the Great Commission goes through all of the world and everyone hears the gospel and there's a great revival in America in this land and around the world. What would you rather have? I mean, what would you hope for most? Very challenging question for this day because somewhere along the line, what I'm, what I'm hearing is that we've tied prosperity in with God's blessing. And I say, if that's the case, then the whole New Testament is a sham and all of the disciples missed the blessing. And I'm not teaching a poverty theology either. I don't want to step into that because there is evidence of some wealthy people in the New Testament. But I want to caution us where we begin to align prosperity with God's blessing. And we've got to understand that if we choose to follow Jesus, you will get the blessing. You will find what you're actually looking for. But many of us have bought that the blessing is outside of the person of Jesus and doing what he said, and we've bought into some other things that are not quite a blessing. And I just want to caution us, church, and that's exactly what we're going to be talking about today, church. When I say the word church, what comes to your mind? What comes to your mind? Can you you envision when I say church, what do you think about? What do you smell? Some of y'all smell something, you know what I mean? Like, you just get the smell. What do, you, what do you hear? What do you feel? You got a picture? We all got a different picture in our minds, I would probably say. When I mean, half of us thought of our grandmother's basement, I guarantee it. Don't even get it twisted. I know some of y'all did. I thought of this little church that I used to go to when I was really little. I remember, I got, I got the smell. I, I I smell that thing, you know? There's this smell. There's something about it. I don't know if it's in the carpet or the walls. I don't know what it is. I also see people. For some of us, we see places. For some of us, we see people. I see people, and, and I remember as a little kid, if you grew up in church, I, I don't know if you guys had an old, uh, can, like we called him the candy man, and he was this old guy who had, crusty old candies in his pocket and he'd walk up and he'd say, he'd say, What's some candy? And we, we would be so excited and so hopeful and he would open his hand and I would go, oh, where did this guy go shopping? You know, like, where do you find this nasty stuff? And we would take it with a smile and but thank you so much. And we'd put it in our pocket and it would go through the washer because we wouldn't eat it, you know what I mean? It just, it was church. It's what we all experienced. Church. Some see place and some see people. But Jesus, one of the first places that Jesus speaks about church is in Matthew 16. And in Matthew 16, uh, Jesus is with his closest disciples and he's talking to them about church. And he, say, he basically looks at them and he says, hey, who do you guys think that I am? And the disciples are having a conversation and, and one guy speaks up, one of my favorite guys, uh, Peter speaks up and he goes, I'm going to tell you who you are, you're the Messiah. And Jesus says, uh, people didn't tell you this. The Spirit of God told you this. And he says, hey, here's what he said to Peter that day. He said, Peter, I'm going to tell you, you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Y'all, many of y'all have heard that verse before. But the word church, literally that word church, comes from a, a, a German word, kirke. And kirke means uh, the house of the Lord or temple. That's what the word church means. The same word, and here's where I want to help us understand actually what the Bible says church means. The same word is found in Acts 19. And in Acts 19 something interesting is beginning to happen around the world. The gospel is spreading through the known world. People's lives are being turned upside down. We've been hearing about that from in, in Thessalonians as we've been studying that past several weeks. But the known world is being turned upside down and a little something begins to happen in a city called Ephesus. In Ephesus, uh, there, this is a great city of many idols and many gods, but the gospel is moving in such a way that it's actually beginning to affect the economy. Funny. It's changing, it's transforming the economic landscape, and nobody is buying idols anymore. That was big business back in the day, by the way. Big business. And so these idol manufacturers start a gathering, start a movement to actually riot in the town, to get these people out of their town. Now we step into this gathering or this congregation of people in Acts 19, 32, that says this. Now some in the gathering cried out one thing and some another, for the assembly was in confusion. And most of them did not know why that they had come together. So they were just... I mean, I just showed up because so and so told me to get down here, and some people think we're meeting for this, and some people are meeting for that. But in this in this verse right here, do you see where the word church is? The word church is in this same word that we saw in where Jesus said in Matthew to Peter. It's the same. There's the same exact word. The same exact word is in this verse right here, church. The word is actually, for the assembly, was in, assembly is actually church. The same exact word, same exact. I share this verse with you because it's, it matters. It matters what we think about church. Church matters. The original word here is actually ecclesia. Many of y'all, if you've been in church any amount of time, you've heard this word before. But this word, ecclesia, means called out ones. It means people who are called out with a purpose, unified around a movement. Jesus is saying, on you, Peter, I'm about to start my movement. So he's not saying, hey, Peter. Peter. On you, I'm about to build a bunch of buildings and I'm going to have a bunch of gatherings show up where you go. It's not exactly what he's saying. He's saying, on you, I'm about to start a movement. On you, I'm about to call people out and you're going to build the ground floor of what I'm about to start. And it's not a place, it's a people. This is massive And I don't know what your idea of church is today, but it's so important if maybe you come in with the context that you're coming to a place where God actually is or you're coming to a place where the guy who's standing in the front has a better connection to God and I'm about to hear from God because I can't hear from God. I just want to tell you that may not be exactly what the scripture actually points us to. This is really good news, by the way. This is really exciting. And my prayer is that that's that's not a burden for you. It's actually an encouragement for you today. But let's continue to step in and discover a little bit more about what this means for you and I. In the 1500s, there was one church. It was called the Catholic Church. And in the 1500s, the church had kind of stepped outside of the bounds of what it was meant to be doing. It had kind of gotten bed with a little bit of government here, and government had gotten bed with a little bit of church here. And so they started using some of the scriptures to actually. Uh, manipulate people, to to lead people in ways that maybe are not becoming of the scripture. And you need to understand this because it's very important. This word was a very, very important word in the Reformation. One guy named William Tyndale, when he actually took the scriptures of, of old and translated them into English so that everyone could read them, this was one of the words that he focused in on. When he focused in on this word, he was wanting to tell the people, here's what you have to understand, everyone. Church is not a place where you come and serve that place. You need to understand that church is you. You are the church. The church is not a building. The church is a people. It's a movement of people. And you are meant to be a part of the movement of the church of God. This was heresy in that day. Because what it did was, it shifted back the power from people who held power that they might be served and called everyone actually into serving together as a part of the movement of Jesus. This is what happened to William Tyndale. William Tyndale was branded an outlaw. A tribunal of the Holy Roman Church uh, condemned him as a heretic and they turned him over to the civil authorities. They bound him to a beam, they strangled him with a rope, they burned his body and scattered his remains at age 42 because of his translation of the Bible. Because of one of these words. This word was a massive word in that day. You had a man give his life so that we might understand this today. That's why I share it with you because it's very important. And I believe, I believe it's, it's not on purpose, but many of us have maybe got an idea of church that isn't, isn't in the scripture, or we have an, a concept that maybe we've drawn from here or there, but we've never heard, this is really what it means to be the church. I want to step in and discover even more um, what Peter helps us maybe understand, the meaning of church and our actual call. First Peter 2, if you've got your scripture, I want to turn there, and I, I want to look through First Peter 2, 1 through 5, And then I just wanna talk about verse nine through 10. This is Peter. Remember, this is the guy that Jesus met with and he said, hey, on you, I'm going to build my movement, my ecclesia, my called out ones. It's going to happen on your foundation. So then now this is this guy who's now giving a mandate to other called out ones, okay? So let's hear him as the church today. Here's what it says. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants long for pure spiritual milk that by it you may grow up into salvation. Now understand, I I want to pause here. This is not saying do this so you can get saved. It's basically saying, Uh, when you come to Jesus, the next verse, if indeed you have tasted the Lord is good, if you've tasted that he is good, then you're going to grow into what you were actually designed for. So you're going to step in and become who God actually wanted you to be if indeed you have actually tasted that God is good. So if you've actually had an encounter with God... You were actually going to begin to put away malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and slander. It's going to become a part of your life. You're going to grow up into your salvation, okay? It's what happens when you actually encounter the Spirit of God. You have no choice. It's a natural progression. It's what the Spirit produces in you. So if this is not beginning to grow in your life, then potentially you've never had an encounter with the Spirit of the Living God. And I invite you, that is available to you today. That's not, that's not an indictment on you. It is just to say that it's available to you. This is what you were meant to be. As you verse 4. As you come to him, a living stone, rejected by men, but in the sight of God, chosen and precious. In other words, Jesus was the first living cornerstone, precious and holy, yet rejected by men. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house. Sounds familiar, right? To be a holy priesthood. So here's what you were meant to be. You're meant to be a holy priesthood. To offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Now verse 9 and 10. Here's what you are. But you are a chosen race... You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession. That you may, here's what you were meant to do. You were meant to proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness and into marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Our vision in the future for 2020, I share with you that this was gonna be the week that I I wanted to share with you, the vision for our church in 2020. And I wanna tell you, our vision for this church has not changed uh, from the one that Jesus actually began. I don't know about you, but I don't wanna try to create something that I have no business creating. I don't wanna step out of what Jesus already called us into. I just wanna join his movement, right? And so that's all that we're ever going to do we're not creating something brand new we might package it a little bit differently which is why we we live in a school right now and why we do this kind of stuff we package the movement a little bit different but we join his very same movement with the very same purpose with the very same heartbeat to the best that we know how as we discover it together here's what we're going to give our lives to there's four things and this is what i believe that these scriptures point us to the Point is to number one. This is what we're going to do in 2020 to be a part of the movement of Jesus. We're going to help people know God. We're going to help people know the King. Verse three, remember if, you've, if you read that and you saw that, it says, if indeed that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Here's the deal. The more you know who God is, and I just want to encourage you, get to know the King. Get to know Jesus, man. As you know our great God, I promise you, you're going to taste something and you're gonna go, that's way better than I ever thought it was. And so if you've come to church, if you've heard about God and you've got a bad taste in your mouth, please come share that with me. I'd love to hear, I'd love to talk with you through it. I'd love to walk with you in the experience of it because I understand. If you've got a bad taste in your mouth, I I understand walking that road. And I promise you, many of you guys understand that too. I've I've walked a road. I understand some of those things. And I'd love just to unpack maybe why uh, we believe certain things. But if you've tasted and seen that the Lord is really good, then we want to help other people experience and know him better because it is better than you could have ever thought the more you get to know who he is. The second thing that we're going to give our lives to is that we're going to help others actually discover their purpose. So when we actually know who God is, He helps us understand what we were actually designed to be and to live for. And verse 9 helps us understand that where Peter says this. Here's what you are. You're a chosen race. Do you know that? Did you know today that you haven't come to a place of chosen race people that allow you to look in the window Did you know that that is actually meant to be for you? That you are the chosen race? That you are the holy nation? That you are the royal priesthood? Do you know that's offered to you? That's an invitation in? That's why William Tyndale spoke so so against a priest that would say, hey, I am the go-between between you and God. That was one of his great qualms. He said, you guys got to understand, through Jesus, you can go too. You are the holy priesthood. You are the royal nation. You're the royal priesthood. You're the set apart nation. You are those people. You can have it. You don't need anybody else to go between. It's yours. And it's found through Jesus. Jesus. You're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession. That you may, here's what you were designed for. Once you experience that, know that that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. Guys, we're meant to tell the great things that God's doing in our lives. He's writing a story in your life. And I promise you, if you taste and see that he's good, any good thing, you can't shut your mouth up about it, can you? I just ate, what's that? What's that Sinaholic place on North Shore? I promise you, I ate one of those sweet, sweet cinnamon rolls, and I can't stop talking about it because it was so good. That's exactly what the scripture's talking about. He said, when you've tasted and seen that he's so good, man, you can't stop talking about it. It's just that good. <gasps> Woo! Hey, has anybody had one of those, by the way? Oh my. <laughs> it's so good. So good. And we're telling everybody, we're the greatest evangelists about the thing that we love. I promise you, the thing that you love, you evangelize for. In light of this, everything that we do, we want to exist for the generation that's coming behind us. So when Peter says something like, like living stones, he equates us to a building. And he says, what you got to understand is, on top of your life is coming another one. And so in light of this, as high as we are reaching as a church today, we want the the ceiling that we're going to hit, we want it to be the ground floor of the generation that's coming above us. So we want to be reaching as high and as far as possible so that our little kiddos in the back over here are going to be jumping off of our hands. And I promise you, when they're ready to walk, we're going to say, Jump, we got you. We got your back. And so we're never going to live inside of preference we don't want to live inside a preference we want to live inside of what's actually reaching the next generation we're going to speak the gospel but we're going to step into their world and allow them to actually influence and lead when they need to lead and we got your back this is a shift this thing is not about us it's not about a place it's about a people a called out people so we are always going to give our life away for the next generation that's coming behind us this is what you were actually called into. That the next generation might speak of his excellencies because of, man, I experienced it through those people. And I promise you guys, this is what we will give our life away in 2020 and beyond at this church right here. I don't know what everybody else, thought. I don't even care. <laughs> like, I, love, I, I, think, I think everybody, a lot of people are doing great things. But right here, this is what we're gonna give our life to, to see the next generation come to know Jesus. And I want to invite you into it. You're not meant to observe us doing it. You're actually meant to be a part of it, by the way. This is a promise for you. And I want to extend that grace uh, through the person of Jesus that this can be a part of your life as well. We want our ceiling to be the next generation's ground floor. This is the heartbeat of God, by the way. The third thing that we want others, we want to help others do, we want to help others discover actually the freedom in their life. So once you discover purpose, you find that it's actually the freedom that you were always looking for. Anybody just want to live a free life? You just want to, you just want to be a free bird? Anybody want to be set free? Man, I I just, I just long for freedom in every element of my life, you know? And here's what I've discovered. When I go looking for freedom in the places I expect to get freedom, I don't find freedom. I find bondage. But when I look into this book and it tells me, it points me the way and says, this is the way that you will find freedom. If you walk that way, I say, that don't look like freedom. That looks like a prison. You know, I don't want to do that. Um, when I walked that way, I found that it was the greatest freedom uh, that I had ever experienced in all of my life. I used to think um, I'd go to church and I thought, Royal priesthood, holy nation, that's good for my sister who makes straight A's and obeys every rule. (laughs) She's just a good person, you know? Like, I ain't a good person. She's a good one, and she's going to be that. And when I finally got to a place where I started looking at this and being like, I don't want to believe that that's true for me. I don't want to believe it. I don't know about you. I just don't want to believe that that's for me. I don't think it is sometimes. I don't feel that. But when I accepted that that's actually what he had called me and he invited me into and I received the grace of God, I said, Lord, if you can do it, I'm, I'm, I'll do it. I'm in. And you know what I found? Man, he'll, he'll, use a, he'll use a donkey, man. Like, for real. It's in the Old Testament, by the way. I didn't just make that up. He actually s- speaks through a donkey. so He'll use, he'll use you. And here's what I started discovering, and I, I want to encourage you. Uh, there's more. If you're just observing today, I want to tell you there's way more. You can actually step in and be a part of His movement right now. You don't you don't got to have it all together, but like when you choose and say yes, I'm I'm in, I'm available. He'll use you. I started talking to one of my friends this week, and he shared me this story where he went to the Middle East, and um, he and his friend, his friend's a wild man, and his friend looks at him and he goes, "Hey." Let's just be Paul and Silas today, you want to? Let's just be Paul and Silas. I mean, we're in a town where nobody knows the name Jesus. You just want, let's, just, let's just step out in faith and expect God to move. Let's just go. So the girls are, let's go. So they are in the Middle East, and they step off into a town, and his friend looks at him, he's like, hey, look, look around right now. Everybody in this town, they don't know Jesus. Everybody that you see, nobody, nobody heard about him. I wonder what God's going to do with us today. They walk around the town, and they end up walking into a guy. They start a conversation. They find out, in fact, that this guy owns half of the town. Very interesting. And he starts telling them how he hates what's going on in his, in his country. And he starts asking them some questions, and they start saying, well, we're, we follow this guy, Jesus, and here's what he did, and here's the message of Jesus. And he goes, yeah, I want you to tell my whole town. And they're like, okay, well, uh, maybe you... <laughs> You can, you can get a couple of your friends and we can go to your house, right? He was like, listen, listen, listen. If you're with me, you're safe. You're safer than you would be in your own home. He said, if anybody hurts me or you, they will be put to death. I own this town. He said, you see this street right here? This street is named after my family. He says, no, I'll gather the whole town of, of men and, we'll, and you, we'll have you share. They said, Okay. Get the whole town, shares about Jesus. He says, yeah, I want you to come back. I want you to do it again. Come. They do that again. But I want to tell you that that story is not just for the Middle East, it's for today. And I, I want to give you something as well, and this is just personal experience. This is something me and a couple of my friends do. Okay, and I want to I welcome you. Try it, okay? Have fun. I want to encourage you, connect to God in different ways than maybe you've ever connected with him before, and I promise you he'll use you. Here's what we do. Uh, we gather a couple of our friends together and we meet at somebody's house and then we, we call it a scavenger hunt, okay? And some of, y'all, some of y'all heard me talk about it, but it's something that's really been life transforming for me. And what we do is we pray and we ask God, just like that, Lord, we're walking out of this door by faith and today we trust that you're sending us to somebody who needs you. Show us who needs you. What would you say to us? And we just invite the Lord just to speak something to us. And you know what we do? Then we write down what we think that we heard in our mind or what we heard we said, and, and we put it on a piece of paper. And then guess where we go? Wherever that said. And we start walking. And here's what we trust. Here's, here's what I've seen. Every single time. E- every single time. An encounter like I've never expected. I, I mean, you'll, you'll be left, you'll go. I don't, I don't know anything anymore. I don't know anything. I have no idea. One of my friends, one, one time he said, he said, man, I'm, I'm getting a picture of this guy. He's going to be wearing an Astros jersey in and, um, and, and Market Square. And I'm like, man, I had never seen, number one, I have never seen an Astros jersey in Knoxville. Y'all, I had never seen it in my life. And I was like, all right. So we start walking, and we're walking through Market Square, my friend looks over and goes, hey, there's a guy in Astros jersey over there. I was like, shut up. We look over, this dude's in an Astros jersey in Market Square the night we were looking for a guy in an Astros jersey. I don't even care what y'all say. That's crazy. I walk into Chesapeake's, and I hear this name. This girl works here named Jennifer. I, I said, is there a Jennifer that works here? And she says, yep, there is. And I said, I don't know why, but we're supposed to pray for her. Can you have her come out here? And she comes out, and we say, hey, uh, I don't know what, but we believe the Spirit of God led us, led us here, and we're supposed to pray for you and instantly. She begins to weep. It's an encounter that she was ready for. But you see, we had to overhear. It wasn't in our power to actually do it. You had to connect with the Spirit of God who actually leads you somewhere. He is alive. And you can connect with Him, my friend. Stop trying to do it in your own power. Connect to the Spirit of God, and He will do more than you could think or imagine. But many of us are not experiencing the the Spirit of the living God. Because we're trying to do everything in our power and we're not asking him, inviting him to actually lead us. We're not open-handed. We're still saying, I'm God of this whole thing and I've got better ideas than you. And I'm just telling you, you can't write the story, man. (laughs) But when you let go and you get to the place where you're saying, hey, I'm done, I'm finished. I'll let go and I trust you. I want to experience you. God will begin doing things in and through your life that you can never try to conjure up yourself. You can't do it. And I don't say any of this to boast, because I'm telling you, I sit there, a doubter. I'm going to be straight up, like, I doubt every single time. I'm like, we didn't hear him this time. Nope, nope, not this time. We got it wrong this time. I don't know how it works. I have no idea. Every single time we walk, I'm like, I don't know. Can't explain it. You run right into the people who actually need Jesus, and they're ready. It's very interesting when you actually start talking to the living God. He will actually move, expect him, but you've got to get to the place of surrender to actually experience. You find and discover freedom when you actually live inside of your purpose When you want to leave your house to tell of his excellencies, he will use you and show up in powerful, powerful ways. Your life will never be the same. You won't come here asking or wanting to actually connect to a sermon. God, I just need to feel you. I need to experience you today because I'm not experiencing you in the week. You were made to walk in communion with the living God today. And when you walk in this place, we're to encourage each other. I promise you, you can do it. Not because you deserve to, but because the free gift of Jesus is offered to you. And it's by his shed blood that you can actually have this gift, man. It's a free gift. Step into the purpose and design that God has for you on your life and you will discover freedom. Here's what was happening in the early church. Acts 5.42 says, day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Guess what? They were excited about Jesus. So guess what? They talked about him everywhere. It wasn't just Church. Y'all, church went into their life. It went to their home. And you know what they couldn't stop talking about? The king. It transformed everything. So everyone who stepped into their house, they were like, hey, guess what? Jesus didn't just die last week. Guess what? He's doing this today. And listen, here, I'm going to tell you something. Uh... It's easy to talk about a guy 2,000 years ago, but when you start talking about somebody that you met with an Astros jersey in Four Market Square, whatever, nobody can, can come against that. They're like, well, I, don't, I can't explain it, but that's different, you know what I mean? I guess I could, what about this Jesus thing? Like, I, I'm just telling you, man, the spirit of the living God is showing off all around us. We just got to join him a little bit. Come on now. You're invited in though, that's why it's so exciting man. But as they step into their purpose and they discover, they begin to discover freedom. Verses one through three points us to this freedom. So put away all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy and envy and all slander. Like newborn infants, long for pure spiritual milk, that by it that you may grow up into salvation. If indeed that you've tasted that the Lord is good, this is less about condemnation than it is about an invitation. Listen, this isn't holding you back from a life that you would do great living. Okay, it's an invitation into a brand new kind of life. Come and taste that God is so good. And then guess what you won't want to do? Posture and position yourself in business and stuff that nobody don't matter. In light of all this, in light of how powerful Jesus is, man, I don't care about what y'all care about. I don't want to, I don't care. So your life begins to shift, and that's exactly what Paul's saying. When you taste and see that God is good, you won't begin caring about what other people are envious about, jealous about, speaking deceit over. You won't wanna, you won't wanna, you know, it's okay. Man, let them fight, that's fine. <laughs> God, come on. Hey, you wanna be a part of something different? Let's go. You're free to share good news, my friend. And I pray that 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 encouraged you a little bit. And the fourth thing that we're gonna give our life to and uh, that we're gonna see God begin to do is we're gonna make a difference. This is what we're gonna do. So we're gonna know God. We're gonna discover purpose. We're gonna discover what freedom really looks like and we're gonna experience freedom. And as we experience freedom, you will make a difference around you. I promise you the difference has to happen. When Jesus said on you, I'm gonna build my kingdom, I'm gonna build my movement and the gates of hell will not prevail. Those are defensive weapons, okay? That means when you step into the business of God, guess what can't hold that back? Nothing. That means you can charge the gates of hell and they can't hold you back. (laughs) That's massive. And most of us, we're all afraid of, we're afraid of the darkness. We're afraid of the evil. And he's saying, hey, listen, I've given you a power that's conquered evil. You can step right into that and make a difference in their life. You ready? But you got to make the Jesus difference. Many of us are wanting to make moral differences. The moral differences come when you taste and see that God is so good, man. Oh, It follows. But you can't clean up conduct and say that that's good. That ain't it. you got to have an encounter with the living God And then conduct begins to shift, man. But many of us want to treat symptoms like a cold. we got to go to the root of it, give them antibiotic. And that's the only healing is found in Jesus. So we're going to make a difference by living out the good news. And here's how we live out the good news. Acts 2.42, it says this, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the breaking of bread, the fellowship, and to prayer. This is where we live this out in life, group, y'all. This is where difference happens in the life that we live I want to invite you into this kind of Jesus life. It translates into how you have relationship. It translates into prayer. It translates into community. This is what will translate or this is what will transform our community when we step in by faith to seeing this happen in our life. I want to invite you right where you are. um, What we've said a lot today and there's a lot that we've been invited into and I want to invite you to just uh, examine for a second. There is the Jesus way that Peter talks about, that he says, Here's who you are, this is what you were made for. There is another way, and if we're all on a journey together, right, we're all on a journey then what the scripture really points us to is that we are growing into what we were actually designed for. We're all on a process, a journey, okay? And so I just trust that something that I said today, because it wasn't my ideas. Do you you understand that? I'm not up here saying, hey, I got the best ideas. I just read the Bible to us. And um, it's his word, it's not mine. And there's gonna be a divergence. There's gonna be a difference. There's gonna be some places in our life that are, they don't look like that. What's that place in your life? Because you are the church. You were meant to be the church. So where's, where's, the, where's the difference in your life? And I just want, I want to pause for a moment. And if you don't know, I want, I want to invite you, would you ask the spirit of the living God to speak that to you, to bring to remembrance what the word just said and say, where is my life not lining up with that? Can we? Can I invite you to do that today? And then I'm gonna give some instruction from there. But I wanna invite you, just, just ask the Lord, hey Lord, where, where's, the, where's the difference? What's the difference in my life? And most of the time, the difference, the thing that's different in our life is the thing that we really appreciate, the thing that we really have an affection for. And so we've got a tight grip on it. It's, it's held in the palm of our hand and we want to we clench it. We believe that that's a, the best thing for us but what God is speaking to you is that that might not be the best thing for you and so just as a symbol uh, that thing that's come to your mind or the thing that that maybe through this sermon that was revealed to you um, I just want to invite you to offer that to God and surrender that's what we prayed about today and uh, just as a posture just you can open up your hands maybe and just sit, tell him uh, Lord I've had a grip on that thing and I, I want to give it to you Um Lord, I pray that you would replace the thing that I've held on to so tightly uh, with your truth. This isn't easy. But Lord, this is um, our prayer today. Lord, we, want, we don't want to hold on to the things that maybe we've held dear in our life if they're not dear to you. Because here's what we're trusting. We're trusting that uh, the best life is actually the life that you've offered the life that you've invited us into. And Lord, we want to be people in this day that are your people. God, that speak of your excellencies, that are experiencing you daily. And Father, we just say thank you for loving us, for meeting us here today. God, for speaking your word over us in 2020. And Lord, we pray that we would know you more. God, we pray that we would have a greater encounter, a greater experience and got a greater affection that we might make a difference in our time. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Hey, as we close today, would you stand up with us? I want to go out just declaring this song to the King today that he's going to take us and use us. If today you need prayer, we need to talk through things like I'm available. If you need to know Jesus today, you need to surrender your life today and just say, hey, I want to be a part of the movement of the church. Uh, Come talk to me. And I want to introduce you to the King. He's good. Let's, Let's sing this together.